It's 12 noon, and I'm AWOD. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM, we've got a great show planned for you here on a Friday in Richmond. Happy Friday, everybody. It is August 25th, and last night, the high school football season here in Richmond began. We will catch up with Gary Hest, the czar and the sports director of WRNL at 12.30 as he begins his 30th season calling high school football games on 910 The Fan. Ryan Clary, host of Locked On Nationals, the podcast, will join us as we talk about the hot Nationals, who got another win yesterday against the Yankees. But the big story in baseball, the 2019 World Series MVP, Steven Strasburg, appears to be retiring. And that's where we start today by catching you up on anything you might have missed around the sports world. It's not the sports wallet. It's definitely not the sports phone. It's time for the sports app. Here it is, everybody. Clearly, this is the future. Stats, scores, highlights. Whoa, 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 are you serious? Wi-Fi plus 3G, 64K. This one, this one. The sports app. Front page of the Washington Post reads, Ace folds his hand. His career derailed by injuries. Nationals World Series hero and franchise pillar, Strasburg, plans to retire. That's written by Jesse Dougherty. And look, Strasburg set to retire. Not that much of a surprise if you've been following this situation. Um, Has not pitched much at all since that World Series run. Last time on the mound, I believe, was early in 2022. There are plans right now for a press conference at Nationals Park in a few weeks on September 9th. And Strasburg, if he is to retire, and that's where uh, we're at right now, it does look like Strasburg is going to retire. We'll finish with 113 wins, 62 losses, a career ERA of 3.24. 1,723 strikeouts, a 1.1 career whip, a three-time All-Star. Also, I didn't realize this, 2012 Silver Slugger. He hit quite well in 2012, 13 hits, one home run, seven RBIs, and 47 appearances. Among pitchers with at least 20 bats, he had the highest OPS at 759. And uh, also, of course, your World Series MVP in 2012. And 19. I wanted to say thank you, Strauss. Thank you for putting your body on the line in 2019. That run was magical. It felt like every single time he was on the mound, he was going to strike out everyone, and the Nats would find a way to win. And um, I just have so many great memories from that run. And of course, you know, you could say maybe we should have known that Strasburg, given that contract, was going to end up being a failure because of his injury history from the past. But you just can't let a World Series MVP go. They had a choice to make between Rendon and Strasburg, and they went with Strasburg. And he will always be a Nationals legend because of his performance during the World Series. And of course, uh, since we drafted him, he was a stud. I remember the night that he made his debut, he had 14 Ks. And it's just so much fun to have watched him pitch throughout his career. You know, he lived up to the hype. That was Steven Strasburg being the number one overall pick for the Nationals when this T 
team, this franchise, was still a young franchise from Montreal to Washington. His 2019 World Series run will go down as one of the best performances in postseason history. 5-0, 5-0 in that World Series, 1.98 ERA, a .94 whip, 47 Ks to just four walks, and it was just magical throughout that entire playoff run, and he was extremely good against Houston in the finals. But yesterday, the Nats had a game in New York against the Yankees, and the Yankees had won the previous game, moving to 61-66, and 66, snapping a nine-game streak, their longest streak since 1982. Yeah, that's 40 years in the making. Well, Alex Cole got the call again and hit a go-ahead two-run homer for the Nats, who send the Yanks to a 10th loss in 11 games with a 6-5 victory. Here is Alex Call, who hit a two-run home run to give the Nats a 4-3 lead in the top of the seventh. Entering the seventh, the Nats were down 3-2, but with one swing of the back, they were up 4-3. Canely sets and pitches. Swing a high drive left center field and deep. Bader going back on the run to the warning track near the wall. Looks up and it's gone! Into the Nationals bullpen for Alex Call. And the Nationals lead 4-3. How about the call on WJFK? And then C.J. Abrams. C.J. Abrams is once again our Nationals. Luster by Adolph Diamond, player of the week. And he got to the plate at the top of the seventh and hit a solo home run to extend the Nats' lead from 4-3 to 5-3. Let's take a listen to the young prospect, the shortstop, hitting a home run. Here's WJFK. On the call. Tommy Canely fires. And a swing and a long drive right field. Abrams has done it again. This one is long, long gone. Abrams stands and admires at home plate and is just now making his way to first base as the Nationals go back to back and lead 5-3. to three. So the Yankees would get one run in the ninth from an RBI single from Giancarlo Stanton, but Kyle Finnegan gets the win again with a save. And just like that, the Washington Nationals move to 59 and 69. And the party begins on AWOD Radio as Ryan Clary told us to take the season-long sweat bet on FanDuel of over 58 and a half wins. Ding, ding, ding. We cash it in on August 25th here on the Sports App. Let's move over to college football. And the season begins Saturday. Week zero kicks off in Ireland with the Navy against Notre Dame. Of course, in Ireland at 2.30 p.m. on Saturday. USC begins their campaign trying to win back-to-back Heismans is DMV product Caleb Williams, and he is the betting favorite for consecutive Heisman's. He's got championships on his mind, though, as the sixth-ranked Trojans host San Jose State in the season opener. Caleb Williams said, quote, immortality comes from championships and things like that, and I haven't reached one here in college yet. We've got a special, special moment here this year to be able to go out 
and reach one. Of course, this is USC's second season under the QB whisperer, Lincoln Riley. And loaded with expectations, they've got a ton of playmakers on the outside and a quarterback who just won the Heisman Trophy. USC went 11-3 last season, but was on a two-game skid after losing the Pac-12 title game and the Cotton Bowl. I believe they will get things started Saturday night with like a 50-point win against San Jose State. I love watching Caleb Williams run around the field. He's like a young Patrick Mahomes, the way he can throw on the run. He can run himself, and he can also stand in the pocket like a statue and just deliver a 60-yard bomb. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. Let's move over to the NFL here on the Sports app. The Arizona Cardinals are acquiring another quarterback, so maybe hold your horses. Maybe it's not going to be Colt McCoy facing off against the Commanders in Week 1. The Cardinals agreed to trade for quarterback Joshua Dobbs in a deal with the Cleveland Browns. The team announced Thursday the Browns will get the 2024 fifth-round selection Arizona had received from Philadelphia in their tampering settlement, Cleveland will also send a 2024 seventh-rounder to the Cardinals, who get another quarterback here in Joshua Dobbs. And I think that has to do with the uncertainty surrounding Kyler Murray. We heard he wanted to be all-in for week one. That seems to be out of the question now, right? It's going to be either Colt McCoy or Josh Dobbs against the Commanders. Well, now we're hearing Kyler Murray might not be back for five or six weeks or seven or eight weeks. Or heck, he might miss the entire first half of the season this year for the Cardinals. Recovering from that ACL injury, we know here being sports fans on 910 The Fan, that's not one of those injuries that you can come back from in six or seven months and be at 100%. He's not going to be at 100% for the entire year. That's my prediction. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. Don't go anywhere. Don't change that dial. We'll be right back. Welcome back to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM, your home for the Richmond Flying Squirrels, the Washington Nationals, Virginia Tech Football, the Washington Commanders, and the best damn sports talk here in town, always available around the country on the Odyssey app. Download it today for free, and you can search 910 The Fan to hear us Monday through Friday from 12 to 3 p.m. You can pause, rewind, run some errands, and pick up right where you left off here on the free Odyssey app. Download it today. And, of course, you can hear Washington Nationals games on the Odyssey app. And the Nats got another win last night. But the big story is, of course, 2019 World Series MVP Steven Strasburg announcing his retirement. Joining us right now on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline from the Locked On Nationals podcast, it's Ryan Clary. What's going on, stud? I'm doing well, my friend. It is a uh, sad day and a bad day to be a Nationals fan. Well, why is that? I mean, didn't you see this coming? I could see this coming, but even then, when it happens, it, it still is just your raw emotions because it feels as if we never really got the Steven Strasburg that we could have gotten if he was healthy. So you think about all the possibilities as if, 
this guy could have stayed healthy through the duration of this contract extension. And really, what kind of difference would it have been made on this team? Like, if you pluck him in this lineup right now in this starting rotation in the 2023 Nationals, we're only about eight games back from a wild card spot. Imagine if you had a healthy Steven Strasburg pitching over the course of every five days and you get 25, 30 starts out of him this year. That's a front-of-the-line kind of guy who could have made a difference and maybe have gotten you a little bit closer to a possible play, a postseason berth here. So there's just a lot of different possibilities, but ultimately it's just sad. It's, uh, it's difficult to let go of it, but we all knew this day was going to come eventually, and now it's here. Yeah, I mean, why do you think he has decided to make the decision at this point in time? It, you know, Is there a possibility that, hey, he wants to save the Nationals some money and help the organization out by retiring? Or is it, hey, I'm tired of going in and meeting with the trainers. I'm not getting any better. I mean, why do you think he chose now to make the decision? Well, there's multiple different things here. And, and take the baseball side of this away at this point. If you remember Jesse Doherty at the Washington Post, he actually wrote a story on Strasburg last year to where he wasn't just struggling doing baseball activities like throwing off the mound and all those things. This guy was struggling with stuff that he has with his kids, whether it be like picking them up or just lifting up groceries in the car. Like all those stuff are just made up. But those were the kind of day-to-day things that he was struggling with because of the nerve issues and the TOS surgery and all the complications that came with it. So if you take the baseball stuff away from it, it was just tough for him to do day-to-day activities, just live your normal life. So I think this stuff is just kind of a tough situation because we I'm not a doctor. You know that, Adam. But with these nerve injuries, I can know one thing about it, and you never know when they'll flare up. So he continues to try to come back, and he just continued to not come back at this moment. So it was just a tough situation for all, but I I just think the rubber hit the road eventually, and reality set in that it was going to be a very long road to come back from. It's Ryan Clary from Locked On Nationals, the podcast, here with us on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline. Ryan, how do you respond to those who say, and I think EV on the Junkies has said this specifically, The Nats broke him in the 2019 World Series, the amount of innings that they forced him to pitch. How do you respond to that? Well, I mean, he did lead the National League in innings pitched that year in the regular season, and then obviously in that postseason, he was used plenty. But beyond that point, I mean, Madison Bumgarner, for example, has thrown as many innings as Steven Strasburg has in a postseason. Clayton Kershaw has done the same thing, so... Yes, Steven Strasburg did have a long history of injuries, but I don't really blame the Nationals for using him. I mean, this is someone who was paid to be your front-of-the-line starter. This was someone that was going to win a World Series MVP that had a track record of long postseason success. So I don't really fault them for breaking him. Did it really help in his uh, recovery and all that stuff? No, I'm, I'm sure it did have a pretty big impact on the injuries that he has now, because remember 2012, he was shut down. He was not allowed to pitch in that postseason because of the inning limits that we put on him. So I don't blame the nationals for them using the, one of their pitchers. I mean, you have to use him for the postseason. He's one of your guys. So I don't blame them. I think that's a little silly, but um, it's, it's an opinion. I can say that. <laughs> Ryan, what are your general thoughts on Davey Martinez re- uh, receiving an extension? So I I think it's a great decision by this organization. And honestly, if you were to ask me back in April, I would have said 
no, nah, I'm good on Davey Martinez. Like, I like the guy, but I don't really think he's done all that too much. But when you take the step-ups at C.J. Abrams and Kiber Ruiz and Josiah Gray, all those guys have taken, and even Lane Thomas as well, I, I that's all I needed from Davey Martinez this season. It really is. And obviously all the wins starting to add up. The pitching's looking good. And this team is starting to mold together the way that we saw in 2019. Now, this is not a World Series team, let alone a playoff team. But you're starting to see the strides that not a lot of people were thinking they would make this season. They all thought this would come next year. So Davey Martinez and his this front office, and as well as Mike Grizzle and all the other guys, they're ahead of schedule right now. And I think that there is a argument to have this carryover in the next few seasons. So I, I think it's a good decision by the Nationals get this continuity going with Davey Martinez and the young guys. Yeah, and I think you got to give Mike Rezzo a ton of credit as well. Everyone questioning his decisions to move on from guys like Trey Turner, Max Scherzer, Juan Soto. Uh, but so many young guys are making appearances for the Nats, and even the prospects seem to be all the way up in double-A. I mean, the double-A squad right now for the Nats is some of the nastiest double-A teams I've ever seen in the history of baseball Nasty. right now. I mean, the entire uh, go through the roster right now because the junkies were talking about it. You got James Wood. What is it? Brady House. Dylan Cruz. Who am I missing? You got uh, James Wood, Dylan Cruz, Brady House, Robert Hassel. Uh, Jacob Young was on that team at one point. Uh, Trey Lipscomb, who's been an up-and-coming prospect. You got DJ Herz, uh, who's been the new trade candidate from the uh, J-Mer Candelario trade. He had 10 strikeouts in five innings the other night. You have uh, Jake Bennett, who should be coming up there soon. Mitchell Parker is already there. This team is loaded with prospects. Like In all sincerity, that is the team to watch right now. And uh, speaking of prospects, Carter Keboom, my dad's favorite player, made his first game back in the bigs uh, since 2021, and he made it count hitting a bomb. I mean, it was just it was so awesome to see that moment for Keboom. So what do you think it's going to look like for the rest of this season and moving forward? Well, what I think it's going to look like, I think he's going to platoon a little bit with Ildemar Vargas and as well as Jake Lou. But what I want to see is Carter Keboom get the starts over at third base or second base or even just DH for the rest of the season. Carter Keeboom was a former top prospect, a top 20 prospect in all of baseball, according to MLB Pipeline. And we all know what he's had to go through. He's had to go through a ton of injuries. And even then, when he was healthy, he didn't really prove all too much. But he's 25 years old still. This kid's still young. And yesterday, he added another two-hit game to his repertoire. So I think with Carter Keeboom, I want to see this kid play, and while he has had the opportunities, he has had some time up in the bigs, and he just hasn't really shown all that much, the door isn't completely closed on him. And I think over this next last month or so of the season, I think you can really kind of dictate where he is in this rebuild. Is he someone that you can count on, or is he not? I think this next month and 10 days, whatever it is, I think you'll be able to really find out what Carter Keeboom is because you can't really say that you're 100% sure considering all the injuries and rehab he's had to go through over the last few years. Ryan Clary with us here on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline, host of Locked On Nationals, the podcast. And Ryan, I buried the lead. Do you know the real reason I had you on the show today? Uh, No. We're celebrating, baby. Pop the bottles of champagne 
Ryan Clary is officially a winner with the Nats Let's win go. last night. We cashed in on our FanDuel bet, our season-long sweat of over 58.5 wins for the Washington Let's Nationals go. with that win against the Yankees. Here we go, Clary. Adam, Adam, you you and your old producer, I am expected $300, $100 by you, and I believe 200 by uh, Cheek. I need those. I need that money today, right now, this second, because back in April, you guys were both clowning me, and I was right. I want my money. Hashtag, I need my money. Hey, Ryan, have you seen Barbie yet? No, I haven't. Because I'm going to send you a hundred doll hairs. <laughs> <laughs> no, hey, no. In all seriousness, make it down to Richmond, and I'll throw a pizza party for you because I think that's awesome. All the haters said the Nats were going to struggle to win 55 games this year. Ryan Clary said, "Take the over on 58 and a half," and it cashes in here on August 25th with the Nationals having the record of 59 and 69. Ryan, thanks so much for joining the show, man. We appreciate it. Thank you, man. You have a good one. All right, man. Take care. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. Welcome back to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. So the high school football season has officially began. So how about a, fi- a Friday appearance for the czar, Gary Hess? Hey, why not, man? How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. So let's get in the car and drive. How are the roads looking? Time for a drive down Richmond Highway with Gary Hess, sports director and the voice of high school football in Richmond, Virginia. I understand there's traffic. You need to plan for that. Let's drive down Richmond Highway with Gary Hess on AWOD Radio. Number eight, Douglas Freeman looking pretty good, Gary. A 45 to nothing win over Atley in which quarterback Cole Chizuk blossomed. Yeah, you know, he, he put on a show last night uh, by all accounts I saw on social media. Uh, and, you know, and they have they have a bunch of kids back. They're in our top ten for a reason. Atley was a team that is supposed to be kind of middle of the pack to below, not terrible. But last night uh, I, I, I sent a note to uh, someone who was covering the game, and I said, does this say more about Freeman or more about Atley? And the answer was both. Yeah. <laughs> Freeman looked great. Atley did not. Um, yeah, the Mavericks are going to be a team to watch this year. That's for sure. George Bland uh, does an outstanding job as the coach, and they're going to be a team to watch. Yeah, that was kind of the theme I noticed from last night was teams in the top ten taking care of business and looking great. Another one, number seven, L.C. Bird defeating James River. 45 to 12. 45-12 and, and really jumped out. This one was over by halftime and uh playing out the string in the second half. Uh Troy Taylor Skyhawks look the part as they now look ahead to next Thursday and the huge Battle of Chester game against Thomas Dale, which will be our season debut uh for the game of the week, which will be on WRVA next Thursday. Thomas Dale should take care of business tonight playing at Cosby. I'm Adam Epstein. This is AWOD Radio, driving down Richmond Highway with the czar and the voice of high school football 
here on WRNL. So first win for new coach Phil Gross, Midlothian 21, Monacan 13. You know, Midlothian lost a bunch of seniors from a gr- really a really good team last year. But uh, Chase Chambers, the quarterback, is back. They have some other pieces back on the line, skill kids. And uh, had 130 kids come out for the first day of practice. So uh, the program is really going strong at Midlothian. And uh, they looked the part last night, uh, overcame some opening jitters, and got the job done against Monacan uh, 21 to 13. So the Trojans are off to a 1 0 start. And uh, if they keep trending in that direction, I think you'll see them make an appearance sooner than later in our uh, uh, CBS 6910, the fan coaches poll. Gary, there was an emotional night at Meadowbrook as they faced off against Clover Hill. Explain that story to my audience. Yeah, so Meadowbrook has been on hard times. You know, the last uh, few years uh, had a long losing streak of over 30 games, snapped that last year with a win over Tucker, but still went 1-9. and nine. They had a coaching change during the offseason, and Billy Rudd came in to coach that program. Now, Billy is a Meadowbrook guy, played there, was on the was the kicker and the punter on the state championship team back in 04, and uh, w- it, and has really been, you know, Meadowbrook's the Monarchs, and his, his motto has been restore the roar uh, at Meadowbrook, and there's been indications of good things, but then a horrible thing happened. Uh, they had a player uh, pass away after their scrimmage last week, uh, and that has really affected the program. But last night was an emotional not as, night as they honored the life of this player. And they had opened at home against Clover Hill and went out and beat Clover Hill 32-13 in what had to be a very emotional night. And uh, I texted Coach Rudd this week, and I'll say it again, uh, you know, the coaching staff and the players and that whole community remains in our thoughts and prayers. While it was an emotional night and an emotional win, they're still dealing with stuff over at Meadowbrook. So, Gary, you begin your broadcast next Thursday and Friday on WRVA. So let's go through this Friday's local schedule. And I guess we should start locally with Lauren Johnson in Florida to face off against his alma mater, Miramar. It's been uh, fun seeing all the social media interaction of the whole team flying down to Florida and now playing Miramar, which is Lauren Johnson's alma mater. Uh, It's going to be very exciting to see how the Springers do in a showcase game against a great program from Florida. And you know how good the football is down in Florida. So a great measuring stick for the Springers uh, uh, tonight. Uh, you know, and Dimwitty wasn't able to handle it in Ohio last week, and Dimwitty's still going to be really, really good. I'm going to be interested to see how the Springers stack up tonight, led by Christian Martin. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested. You said it's a measuring stick. I mean, if they go down there and then get blown out, does that mean, hey, maybe they're not going to be state title favorites? No, it's a measuring stick, I think, of where the Springers um, are on a, on, a, on a more national scale. I think they are one of the state title contenders in Division Six, regardless of what happens tonight. What are the other Friday games we should hit on? You know, I think one's going to be interesting. Patrick Henry travels up to Louisa. That's a game to watch. Uh, the debut of new coach Earl Kinney at Mills Godwin as Goochland comes to short pump. Uh, I'm going to be watching. I want to wish uh, new coach Bryce Fritz at J.R. Tuckerwell as they travel up to Caroline. Uh, 
also Hermitage with an out-of-town game. I mean, playing at home against an out-of-town opponent, um, a 7.57 power in Oscar Smith, uh, and Verina traveling down to the 7.57 to play Indian River. Those are some of the games to watch tonight. And I also wanted to mention the uh, Thomas Jefferson-Huguenot game tonight. Two city schools playing over at Huguenot High School, but uh, there is there has been a development there that that game will be played with no spectators. No spectators. No spectators. We're taking it back to COVID. Safety and priority after a social media post regarding the game. Now there wasn't a lot of other detail, but uh, you can imagine there was a social media post. School officials and Richmond police made the decision to move forward with the game, but have no spectators. Only people are going to be loud are uh, the players, the coaches, the band, the cheerleaders, staff, sponsors, and then there'll be plenty of safety, security, and police personnel there as well, but nobody else. That's kind of scary, man. Parking lot, school building's going to be closed. It's going to be locked down. And so um, I think they feel like they they can safely play the game. But but spectators are a variable they do not want to have to try to deal with as yeah. they try to do this. Well, I know we don't want to speculate, but what kind of social media posts? I mean, are we thinking like a bomb threat? I mean, why would they tell fans you can't come to that game? I don't know. Um, and it's I don't the season know. opener for these teams. I, I know. It's a season opener. It's the first game for Huguenot since the shooting outside the graduation at Altria Theater. Well, maybe that back has something in June. to do with it. You know, and I don't. I don't know. I don't want to speculate too yeah. much, but clearly that social media post was some kind of threat, and they, uh, they, the, 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 the RPS uh, security personnel huddled with Richmond police, and they made the decision that they can move forward with the game with no spectators because it becomes a more controlled situation, and that that whole property will be locked down. You won't even be able to get into the parking lot. Uh, and the the field is behind the school, so uh, I, I think I think it'll be okay. But they're taking this very seriously. Well, you've done this for thirty years. Have you ever been to a game with no spectators before? I guess during COVID, maybe that happened, or no? I think there were games during COVID. I think by the time they no, because by the time they played. Uh, the 2020 season was delayed to the spring of 21, yeah. and by the spring of 21, there were. They were limited to like thirty percent capacity, so it wasn't no spectators. You know, it. Uh, you know, it almost reminds me of you know going to some of these other you know sports that don't draw a lot of spectators. You know, going to a JV softball game or something <laughs> like that. Um, but you know, it's you know it's it's a serious situation, and you know I give them credit for taking it seriously. It's a shame for those kids that their first game of the year and the first game under a new coach at Huguenot and a lot of excitement surrounding the program that there won't be any fans there tonight. Yeah, yeah, it's a shame. Gary, appreciate you stopping by. So every week we have the CBS 6 910 The Fan Coaches poll, but I saw Richmond Times Dispatch trying to copy you guys, came out with their own poll. Are there any differences in the two top tens? There's a few uh, at the very bottom. I believe Hermitage is in their top ten. They didn't quite make it in ours. Um and then uh, I noticed at the top, uh, it was it was the same at the top top. But if I remember correctly, the Times Dispatch poll had Trinity four, Thomas Dale five, whereas ours sh- shook out with Thomas Dale four and Trinity five. So it's it's a, it's small differences, and those differences will become even less as the season progresses. And who the who the the teams are that should be ranked? You know, it, there's an element of darts to a dartboard, especially in the back half of the top ten, 
when it comes to a preseason poll, when you just there are things you know, and then there are a lot of things you don't know. I think you know there was some good, good, good factual basis behind you know writing in Holland Springs at that number one line and Dinwiddie too, and having Manchester, Thomasdale, and Trinity in whatever order you know up in that top five. But you know, you know, certain teams it becomes a, a little more, you know, a little more guesswork. Darts on a dartboard a little bit, so that will flush out, but. Pretty similar. Um, uh, Lane and Coach Chris and I all are voters in the Times Dispatch poll. So, uh, and we all cast ballots in the coaches poll as well. So, remind my audience one more time. So, your broadcast begins next Thursday and Friday on WRVA eleven forty. What are the games? Burdendale, the Battle of Chester on Thursday. Manchester at Highland Springs on Friday. It's going to be great. Uh, if you go to our Facebook page, 804 Football with uh, with Gary and Gary, I think that's exactly what's going on. 804 High School fo- HS Football with Gary and Gary. Give us a like. Give us a follow. There's a lot of content on that page. You can follow uh, Coach Chris on Twitter, at Coach Chris, and me, at GSRVA. Um, my, uh, my, my profile on X um, becomes a little more uh, uh, busy and um, – and and I, I, a lot more activity on that on that profile once football games start. So uh, be on the lookout. We'll be posting scores tonight. Uh, and if the storms stay away, Gary and I might get together and do some content tonight. Too. I love that. We should do this more often on a Friday. That was good stuff. Yeah, that was great. Appreciate uh, it. Hey, have a great weekend. Thank you, man. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. <laughs> Let's drive down Richmond Highway with Gary Hess on AWOD Radio. Welcome back to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. So, CBS Sports came out with an interesting article where they actually ranked every single team's position groups. And when it came to Washington, I found the article really interesting. So I wanted to go over it here on the Commander's Corner. They ranked the position groups for the Washington Commanders from one through eight, obviously. And number one was the defensive line. And they said, let's put it this way. If the defensive line isn't the clear strength of this group, something has either gone unexpectedly wrong or shockingly right this season. And I I kind of agree with them here. I mean, when you look at the talent on the defensive line, Pro Bowlers, Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne, you know, both of these guys were drafted to be here in Washington, have signed contracts to be here in Washington for a long time. The outside rushers, we don't know if they're going to be here for a long time, but we're ready for them to have a good time this season. That's Montez Sweat and Chase Young on the outside, who is expected to return this season the 2022 Defensive Rookie of the Year, I need him to get back to that form that he was at in 2020 if the defensive line is really going to be the number one strength position group for this Washington Commanders team this season. Number two, CBS ranked the secondary, and I disagree with them here. They say the secondary is an intriguing mix of veterans, standout youngsters, early-round rookies who will get a trial by fire. Of course, they're pointing to the veteran Kendall Fuller, first-round pick Emmanuel Forbes, and third-year pro Benjamin St. Juice. St. Juice has been the standout at camp, and I think he should be on the outside 
with Kendall Fuller on the inside, me and Jack Del Rio don't see it eye to eye. We really don't. And I've asked every reporter in town to explain it to me, and nobody has a good answer except for the fact that Ben Simmons St. Juice's body type would be great for the inside, but I think it would be great for the outside also, right? He's tall, he's lengthy, he can go up and make a play on the ball on a 50-50 ball. That's the guy I want on Odell Beckham. You know, that's the guy I want on A.J. Brown, on DeAndre Hopkins, on the top wide receivers. I don't want Kendall Fuller on them because he can get burnt. He does not have the speed to keep up them. And then Emmanuel Forbes, you like what you've seen so far from him with the ability to make a play on the ball, but also he can tackle. And so they have the secondary at number two. I'll give you my list coming up a little bit later here, but I do disagree the secondary being the second best position group here in Washington. Number three. Wide receivers. I mean, you love it, right? Terry McLaurin, hoping he can be healthy for week one with that turf toe. Curtis Samuel, who had an injured riddled first year in Washington, bounced back his second year, but I felt like Scott Turner didn't really know how to use a weapon like Curtis Samuel, a dynamic wide receiver who you can also hand the rock to as well. And then Jahan Dotson. I thought he could have been rookie of the year if he stayed healthy. My goodness, has he looked unbelievable in preseason so far. This wide receiver group is legit, and I can't wait to watch them this season. If they can just stay healthy, that's the number one thing. Well, number one thing. Number four, running back. Brian Robinson Jr. and Antonio Gibson will be the lead running backs for this Washington Commanders team this season. Maybe you see Jarrett Patterson in there. Maybe you see Chris Rodriguez in there. But most of the time, it's going to be... Robinson Jr. and Antonio Gibson splitting carries. And I believe in Brian Robinson Jr. This is a guy that was drafted out of out of, out of Alabama who I think is like a mix of uh, Joe Mixon and a Derrick Henry. And if he didn't get shot last season, we would have seen that week one. Instead, I don't think we saw Brian Robinson hit 100% throughout the entire season. He still had an impressive campaign for a rookie, but he can get so much better this season. And then Antonio Gibson, this is the make-or-break year for him. This is the, hey, do you want to earn a bag and stay in Washington, or do you want to bounce around the league for the next few years? And so I think Antonio Gibson's going to come to play this season. I'm fired up for the running back room. You'll see I have him listed higher than number four. Number five on the list from CBS Sports was linebacker. This is the shaky group for me. I mean, Jamin Davis should make a big jump this season. If he's on the field, we don't know if that's going to be possible. We'll find out next week. Cody Barton will play alongside him. You know, he had some interesting uh, highlights in Seattle. He can certainly tackle. I don't know how well he can do defending tight ends. And speaking of tight ends, they were number six on the list here from CBS Sports. Logan Thomas is still struggling with this calf issue, and that knocks the tight end down a notch or two. And look, I was one of the people that said Washington needs to draft a tight end. Washington needs to go out and try to get a Dalton Schultz or something like that. Instead, Ron Rivera, Mr. Loyalty, stayed loyal to Logan Thomas. Well, we don't know if he's going to be ready for the regular season. Stayed loyal to Cole Turner. Now, that was a bright spot. Cole Turner has looked excellent in preseason, maybe even our best weapon throughout all of preseason. He had back-to-back games with four catches. Love to see that. And then number seven was quarterback and number eight offensive line by CBS Sports. Here's AWOD's position groups for the commanders ranked. I went with number one. Number one being our defensive line. So I agree with CBS Sports there. And they made a great point. Like, if our defensive line isn't our strength, 
Something seriously went wrong. Or we're shocked to see that Sam Howell threw for 4,000 yards. Or we're shocked to see that Brian Robinson's a 1,000-yard running back and Antonio Gibson is catching the ball for 500 yards. And we're, like, blown away with the production from the running back room. I don't see a way that this season ends with our defensive line not being our number one positional group unless Jonathan Allen's injury with his uh, you know, foot carries on throughout the season. Chase Young and his stinger. Montez Sweat maybe doesn't have the season where we're expecting. And Deron Payne peaked last year. But if that happens, something went completely wrong. And Washington will be slapping themselves in the face saying, we shouldn't have paid Deron Payne if he doesn't show up this season. So I do think Washington's D-line will be number one. I put our wide receivers at number two just because I think these weapons are so good that they've been waiting for a quarterback. They've been waiting for a quarterback. Terry McLaurin has played for 10 different quarterbacks throughout his career here in Washington. 10 different quarterbacks. Finally, he'll hopefully have a little consistency here with Sam Howell. And then the reason I put the wide receivers up there as well is because I think there's going to be a guy that surprises people this year. Either Curtis Samuel, who's my X Factor, or Deami Brown, who a lot of people are high on teaming up with his college teammate and Sam Howell. The uh, the two shined at UNC during Howell's sophomore season. Number three, I went with the running backs, moved them up from four to three on my list, just because I think the running back group is so much better than our secondary. And the problem with our secondary is – I don't think that they're that proven, you know, and I'll get to them in a second here, but let's go back to the running back room here. Brian Robinson Jr. and Antonio Gibson. The reason I have them ranked third on Washington's group here is because I do think offensively, as good as the wide receivers are, they might not get the opportunity to shine because Ron Rivera wants to run the ball 26 times a game. And if he's successful on first down running for four yards a carry, four and a half, five yards a carry, He will continue throughout the season to run the ball 25 to 30 times a year, and he will kind of hide Sam Howell, not let him get exposed because of that until probably seven to eight, nine weeks into the season. Then you can start opening up the playbook. And honestly, as much as I hate Ron Rivera, not hate him, but I disagree with his his moves as a head coach, I do think that's the right way to handle this with Sam Howell is you don't want to come out and have expect him to throw for 350 yards in week one. You have to establish the running attack. You have to establish the RPO so you can get Sam Howell on the move and let him use his legs, which are a strength of his uh, you know, skill and talent level in the NFL. So I have running backs at number three. Secondary, I put at number four here, and that's because I'm high on Emmanuel Forbes and Benjamin St. Juice. It's not because I'm high on Kendall Fuller, the former Hokie. I love the kid, and I loved him immediately when the commanders drafted him, and I was so happy he won a Super Bowl in Kansas City. But now we're getting the veteran over-the-hill Kendall Fuller, who just got burnt way too much last season, and I don't know how you can trust him on the outside this year. Five, I put the linebacker crew. Uh, that could have been further down the list, honestly. Six, I went with quarterbacks. Uh, I think Sam Howell is going to surprise some people this year. Everyone seems to be talking about him right now like they had no scouting reports on him. Like, we've known here in Washington for two full seasons that he's had a solid arm and that he can throw the deep ball and that he can move around the pocket and run for some first downs. Everyone around the country is starting to figure that out after watching him in the first half put up 17 points Monday Night Football against the Baltimore Ravens. Seven, I have my tight end crew. I'm really worried about the tight ends this season. I like Cole Turner, but you know, he 
Got hurt most of last season. Logan Thomas seems like he is always, you know, broken down now at this point in his career. And then eight, I put the offensive line. You know, I hope the offensive line can be a strength for Washington. Maybe they figured out something with their center, Nick Gates, who seems to be ready to beat people up and maul defenders over, play after play after play. But I just don't trust the guys on the outside, the right tackle and the left tackle. That's my worry, my biggest concern this season. Phone lines are open if you want to chime in. 833 8340910. 8330409. This was the Commander's Corner here on A Wide Radio. Don't go anywhere, don't change that dial. We'll be right back. <laughs> 